Well, after last week's uh, topic and discussion of mm. um, agents and representation, I'm just trying to get my, um, my, my, my chickens in a line, or eggs in a line. How does that... How does ducks that, in a row? Ducks in a row. One of them. You were chickens, close. Poultry. Eggs in the you basket. You got it in the poultry area. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. You're joined here with me, Matthew, and my very good friend James. And we are the brew, the bros. I was going to say the brews of this podcast. We are the bros of this podcast. Shut and it down. Start it again. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Obviously not. <laughs> uh, you're you're here. Episode eleven. Episode eleven this week. Um, and we'll move straight into the the brew content of uh, of this podcast. And that brings us straight into brewlette, which is a brand new segment of the um, of the podcast that we have started every week. Me and James will endeavour to try and purchase the same uh, alcoholic beverage a beer in particular and see if we if we can do that and if we successfully do that then one of you lucky listeners will uh, receive a, a surprise a, a something uh, from us uh, a, bev- a beverage or beverages of your choice um, if we successfully name the uh, next name but get the right brew together um, so yeah what we'll do now is we'll We'll start off. We'll we'll list. We'll say what kind of beer it is and where it's from and what the name of that is. And if we can uh, get through all three rounds with it being exactly the same, then uh, then we win brulette. Uh, and like I said, one of you will will get something special out of it. Uh, we are into week three of this, so the pot has now gone up to uh, what is it now? Twelve dollars, I believe, which is getting juicier and juicier every double week. Digits. We're there. We're double, double digits. digits. It's exciting. Yeah, so it'll definitely be uh, more than one can uh, this week if it is successful. <laughs> um, but I guess we'll just swing right into it, eh? Yeah, for sure. I mean. I, uh, I purchased my can just this afternoon. I'm happy to reveal it was purchased from a New World Chafers. i got to say, it's just such a wide selection. There's more in there, isn't there? Yeah. I can remember the the, yeah. the, 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 the alcoholic section in I that s- I stared at it today and I went, oh, all right, where where am I looking? Um, <laughs> I even actually I took a photo of, of the the volume of single can beers, which we'll, we'll put up on the socials at some point to give anyone an, an idea of sort of the probability that we're we're working with it but yeah i'm excited i'm interested to to see where you've where you've gone this week and, and to see yeah. if we are riding off last week where we both got uh garage project will we be close at all or will we, we will i will mention that unfortunately the two supermarkets that i have been to so far i have the smallest range i've ever seen um so uh, i mean you're working with a bigger pot than me so we'll 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 see we'll see i mean is there a supermarket anywhere within your vicinity that's bigger because you're gonna run out bro and, and yeah i know i'm gonna run out i'm gonna have to head out somewhere else because i've i've been to the new market countdown i've been to the one in town um i know there's a new world down there but it's only a metro um i don't really have any big supermarkets around me they're all in malls or I mean the 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 one and the, the the countdown just down the road from me is is you know a big countdown, but the alcoholic beverages there are just very poor. I think that's it. 
bro. I because last week having shopped at Countdown Newtown, I think they just don't stock as much. So you might actually have more like New World Metro. Maybe I might go try that New World Metro then. Okay, try the Metro, okay. and then okay. aside from that, I uh, give you permission as fifty percent of this to if you do at some point have time to scope out some other supermarket, <laughs> you are allowed to buy more than one at once. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that that's a... And okay. just choose, okay. choose yes. each week. Okay. Um, but we'll get on with it. We'll uh, get on with it. Should we... We'll keep... We're going with, with the beer type first, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than brewery. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week it would have been exciting if we'd done brewery first. But, True. But I think, I think probability-wise, the chances of us hitting on the same style beer is more likely, and therefore we should, should start with it, um, which we will. On the count of three... Let's hear what uh, what style of beer you you bought. Three, two, one. Pacific Pale Ale. IPA. Mm. <sighs> Round one, knockout. Gone. Oh, well, three <laughs> weeks in. Uh, your, what's your brewery this week? Uh, my brewery this week is uh, Batch Brewing. Oh. Yeah, Batch Brewing Company. Um, I've seen them before. I must say their designs on their beers are... Very, very cool, very cool. But it's a uh, Auckland, it's a Auckland uh, brewery beverage, mm. um, and it is called the King Tide. King Tide. I don't yeah. know if I've ever heard about Batch. Um, I, I yeah, I must say these cans really stick out at the supermarket, and there's a whole range of the Batch Brewing Company that are in these. Um, so yeah, whether they're down your way, I'm not entirely sure. Well, it, honestly, Schaefer's is a good chance because I'll let you know what I've gone with. I've gone with the uh, the Chur, which is the Behemoth, Behemoth, I don't know, Behemoth, Behemoth, whatever. Behemoth. The Behemoth, <laughs> Behemoth Brewing Company, uh, the NZ Pale Ale, and it's a Mount Eden Brewing Company. So, oh, there you go. Another Auckland beer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's bloody crack them open, mate. Let's enough enough speaking. Here we go. Oh, yeah. That's trolled home uh, in my bag. On the bus, thankfully, no foamy spill. Uh, nice. A little sip. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, interesting. Um, first impressions. Mm. It's described as a uh, massive NZ hop flavour. Enjoy this hop fruit salad by itself, or at a barbecue, fish and chips at the beach. Um, first notes. Almost. I went in for a second sip, and then I thought, you know what? I won't be. It won't be first note. You've got. I, <laughs> Sorry, stop the press. You got another four hundred forty mil can. Yeah, because the only small ones are um are um don't garage say, project. Don't, oh, well, I'm ruined. Oh well, well I've ruined it now. T- but I'm you know too that. Much, I'm learning too much about your your limitations. On, but you on know that the garage project only do the three thirties, and so they they just chill up there all by themselves and. True. Everything else in these bloody supermarkets are bloody 440s. I won't tell you about New World when I head down there next time, so I'm sorry for that inside information. That's okay. okay. Uh, First thoughts on the behemoth? Uh, Again, very... uh, Not a lot of fruit or sweetness, but I think that's probably where most pale ales sit compared to IPAs. Mm. But um, it's not offensive by any means. 5.5%, 1.4 standards. And I've got to say, I can't lie... Uh, it was twenty cents off saver, so only three dollars eighty, whereas it would normally have been a whopping four dollars, and that is part of part of why oh, I, uh, you love your deals, eh? I love a deal, but Here's that's the me. thing. I'm working within deals. You're working with limited supply. We yeah. each have our uh, our go, our, it, uh, it's our true. scenario that we're playing within. 
Mm, yeah, quickly on the King Tide. Uh, this is a, another 6.9 uh, percentage beer. It's 2.4 standards in the 440 uh, can. Um, look, I love my beer. Uh, you know, I'll endeavour to drink this one a little bit slower this week. Anyway, first anyway. impressions. If first impressions on this beer, lovely sweet notes at the top uh, of the sip. Um, however, it does give a lingering um, hoppy malt uh, mm. as an as an aftertaste, which I, I quite like. You know, with my double IPAs and stuff. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's quite nice. You know, they say boldly going where no taste buds have gone before. Um, and I must say, it, it has got a lovely, like like riding the tide out at sea, I must say. It it, it changes and goes as you drink it. Oh, well. There we are. Three weeks in. Still unsuccessful. Uh, the kitty has gone up to $12. And, yeah, will we ever get there? That's the question. But That's doesn't matter. Question. That doesn't matter. On to next week. Could be the week. Maybe you'll, you'll find the great craft beer supermarket <laughs> of Auckland to provide. But you can only work with what you're what you're playing with and uh, of course we'll check back in at the end of the episode to let you know uh what we've thought but we've got to move on and tell me man how the bloody how are you i'm bloody good mate i'm bloody good i've had a i've had a really lovely week this week i've been endeavoring to get outside a little bit more and uh seeing human beings and catching up with people um, so it's been nice to have that kind of um, just yeah a human interaction outside of work, which has been really nice. It's it's mundane, it's simple, but really good for my mentality at the moment. Um, and this week I've also just been trying to get into the uh, the agent uh, sphere of it all after last week's uh, topic and discussion of mm. um, agents and representation. I'm just trying to get my um my my, my chickens in a line or eggs in a line. How does that? Ducks that? in a row. Ducks in a row. One of them. You were Chickens, close. poultry, eggs You're, in the you basket. You got it in the poultry area. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just um catching up with old directors and stuff about getting some of my um short films that I did in Wellington. I received one of them, so just trying to cut it up and figure out you know what I want to put in there. Um, just started going through my acting CV again and just laying it out in a nicer format. Um, but haven't really contacted or connected out in any way. Um, but I've also booked in some headshots as well in a month's time. So, um, yeah, just trying to trying to get everything going. I mean, a month's time feels a long way away, but I feel like I might, you know, use my old headshots because I was actually looking at my whole old headshots and I was like, well, I, I really haven't changed much in appearance from that thing, but I do know I need some fresh ones. So I might just um, get the fresh ones and, and keep them in the back pocket and, and, and put them on when I need to. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So I'm still in the, the early stage of it. Um, but I, I am good. I am good. Um, family's doing well. Mum's doing well. Grandma's doing well as well. Everyone I've talked about, if you've listened to the older um, episodes, she's, she's actually really well. She was out and about. Um, it was funny. I went over there this morning. And she was on her mobility scooter just like coming around the corner of her house. And I said to her, I was like, what are you doing? She was like, I've been told to come inside. I was like, yes, get inside. <laughs> so she's she's trying to get her independency as she is a, is a lovely old stubborn woman. But we absolutely love her. Um, so everyone's really good, man. So I, I, everyone's good. I'm good. Nice, nice. But yeah, what, what about yourself? How, how the bloody hell are you? Yeah, good, bro. Um, had a really nice Easter break, actually. It felt like quite a long weekend. Obviously, it was a long weekend, but when Easter sort of finished, I felt relaxed and 
and felt like I'd had some uh, time off. Did an Easter egg hunt, which I don't oh, know when yes. the last time I did that was, but it was good fun, man. Really good fun. Made That's me cool. remember the joy of going out into the garden as a kid and trying to hunt down. Trying to find eggs. them. Uh, Fran mm. and I, I did it together as well as uh, her mum, which came to stay at the weekend. And it's funny because I knew that I was going to be too good at hiding them. And as I was hiding the eggs, I thought, she's going to want me to put them in an obvious place. I thought, no. no. I am a quality hider, whether it be my body and hide and seek, be it an egg and an Easter egg hunt. And yeah, she needed some serious hot and cold instructions to find them. Um, but yeah, Easter was really good. Um, generally speaking, it's been pretty nice weather here, man. I feel like we've nice. had, we're having a really nice autumn. It's a scorcher up here, I must yeah. say. It's really hot. It feels like summer up here at the moment. Yeah, I mean, any time it's seasonally hot, just global warming's all, yeah, all I think about. True, so maybe true. we do want it to rain. Uh, the other thing going on at the moment is, I'm not sure if I went into this on any episode, but um, obviously I, I have spoken about Fran and I moving into a new place. Uh, one of the, the sort of the risks of our moving was that the house was up for sale Mm. we only signed a short-term lease and we're sort of playing the the luck of the hope that the new buyers will just invest in it or potentially live in one of the other properties on the site anyway the house has been sold so we are now at this sort of slightly scared slightly bricking at state stage of we'll find out within the next 48 72 hours i would say so that's not a lot of fun yeah it's literally that it's like please just let us stay take our money take take our money that's what france said she's like (laughs) let us pay your mortgage take our twenty four thousand dollars a year please um that's going on at the moment uh which is yeah a little bit a little bit nerve-wracking but i was just thinking today at work i was like you know what sphere of sphere of influence there's mm. only so much that we have control over and nothing that we can do will change the situation of what these people are doing. doesn't mean we can't uh, find out earlier or later, but yeah, I would expect by next by next episode there will either be genuine devastation or oh, no. cause for celebration. Um, well, yeah. I, uh, I wait for the cause of celebration. Yeah, yeah. All Bros and Brews audience listeners will be in, invited over. Um, but in general, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention was actually a bit of a shout out today. Um, as we, we speak to creatives, one of our, our good podcasting friends, uh, Tabby, actually dropped by work today. And so we were we were talking about that. And this isn't even the, the shout out celebration that I wanted to do. Let's make it two shout outs. Well, three sort of. Um, Tabby <laughs> and Kai, who are the the guys behind the Unpack uh, podcast, which you can find on Instagram and Facebook stuff, unpack.co.nz. Um, they both quit their jobs in the last few weeks. Yo. So they are going full steam ahead with the creative thing, something that you can obviously align mm-hmm, with. Um, mm-hmm. So snaps to them for, for being bold enough to quit the jobs that they weren't enjoying, uh, not necessarily to never go back into jobs, but for now they uh they've said no to that and they're moving into a new period of more time for creativity so amazing wanted to shout them out and also wanted to shout out uh my friend from school the good old days joe damon who i don't know if i've spoken about on the show in the past uh new zealand comedian uh up and coming in his own right he was the i think i did mention the fact that he was the youngest person to to sell out the uh 
one of the comedy venues in Auckland. I think it was the the Sky City. Anyway, um, Joe Damon is going to be on Seven Days this evening. Now, obviously, this is going to come out afterwards. <laughs> After. Afterwards. <laughs> uh, but if you were listening uh, as an audience member at any point, go and check out whatever the Seven Days episode that will have aired on the 8th of April 2021 is uh, Joe's first appearance on that and he's super stoked and honestly just super proud of him because getting on that show is no mean feat for new zealand comedians so uh shout out to joe and yeah that's it from my end of things man that's so cool that's so cool i must say i did see his instagram post on that and i love it how on one of his goals you know he sets out his life goals and one of them was to get on seven days and i thought that's just that's brilliant in the sense of you know you've set your goals you have your mindset um, and he's done it. He's done that, you know. So, yeah, big ups to him, big snaps, big claps. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see his journey going forward and, and where that takes him. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, i got to swing it back around to the, the these these Easter eggs and Easter just really quickly, right? So I, I don't really like having chocolate in my house anymore um, just because if it's around, it gets demolished. I have an addiction when it comes to chocolate. So I've just stopped buying it. And when I went round to mum's place on Friday for just to say hello in Easter, I walked in and there was an Easter bunny and a bag of little like assorted chocolate eggs. And I was like, what have you done? How dare you? She was like, well, it's Easter. I was like, I know it's Easter. She's like, look, it's the one time we can just have it. I was like, okay, cool. Thank you very much. Like, I appreciate it. I haven't got you anything. I'm sorry. Anyway, I brought them back here. I absolutely destroyed those chocolate eggs. It was just so hard to have one, uh, and the Easter bunny went very quickly after it. Not all in one day, I must say, but Easter was uh, full of chocolate. So I'm going on a hiatus away from chocolate for a very long time, because after it, my body was like, oh, excuse me, what are you doing to me? <laughs> um, I just quickly wanted to chuck that out, because it's I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with chocolate at the moment, and Easter is always one of those years where chocolate is the thing. So, uh, yeah, just craziness with chocolate. I mean, if you go public and and announce that you make yourself accountable, so don't even, don't even think about it, man. The people will know. You will let down the, the audience. The people will know. <laughs> True. Do not even think about it. Okay, I see okay, you think about it. I'll message you at random points on random days to say, just no. I won't even, no context. I'll just say, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Okay. Sweet, 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 sweet. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, continue. Get out of chocolate. Get out. I'm thinking about chocolate now. I'm thinking about chocolate. Um, I've got a, I got a question. i got a question for you. Oh, yeah. Now, this thing is, is very out of left field and, you know, not philosophical. Nothing crazy like that. It's just something a little bit easygoing. And, and maybe for my fellow uh, gamers out there that are listening, if there are any listening, if you're out there and you're a gamer, please let me know. I'm all alone. Um, that's a lie. But uh, I've been watching lately on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, I mean, you, you obviously know this game, but have you heard of uh, GTA, Grand Theft Auto? Yes. Yes, you know of the game. Have you ever played it? Uh, yeah, I've never owned... Mm-hmm. A, a GTA game. I've, I've spoken in the past about my lack of consoling. Uh, I, I've definitely played a few of them. The one that I've played the most, and again, not very much at all, is the one that is set in not Los Angeles, but obviously fashioned off Los Angeles. So Lo- Los Santos. 
maybe I don't know. Is that maybe. the one that has Santa Monica Sa- Pier in it? You is can that, drive- or is that or is that San Andreas? Maybe that's San and Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, I, I've but I've yes, played GTA before in the past. Yeah, no, no, nice, nice. Well, yeah, the reason I bring that up is because uh, recently, well, it's been going on for a very long time, but it's a community that I've just been opened up to. Is um they have a Grand Theft Auto role play. So Grand Theft Auto Five is obviously a game in itself, but they also have servers uh, where people can jump in and they can role play. Um, and a lot of like big streamers have started playing it now. So you jump into a game, it's Grand Theft Auto, you're in the city, but it's role play. Um, so you can literally play however you want to. It's like it's like walk. It's like going into a simulation of being in a city, right? When you play the GTA game, you've got like a storyline, you follow it. You know, you're kind of criminal kind of thing, doing all of these things. But in this GTA role play, you can literally be a criminal, a police officer emergency department you can be a gang member taxi driver working fast food mechanic tow truck driver casino a judge you can work in corrections that kind of thing so my question for you is is that if you were to enter into a, a role play world uh whether it be like a vr or a game or just another experience what kind of what kind of role would you want to be you know not necessarily like oh yeah i'd like to be like a uh, like in real life you'd like to be a cop but in the sense of a, a, a role play, what, what kind of role would you see yourself in a, in a city liking to play? Coming from two creatives, two actors, a um, bit of improv, obviously, when it comes to it. But yeah, wh- how do you think you'd like to jump into a new city and, and role play with, with other people? Um, I Maybe the hardest question you've ever asked. I'm not really <laughs> sure how to answer it. Um, I'm going to massively tangent for a, and then work my way back to an answer. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, let it roll through the head for a bit. <laughs> let it roll through the head. Um, no, the tangent I just want to go off on is is the fact that I I think I mentioned last week that I've been working for this company called uh, Outstanding Performance, who provide uh, actors to institutions that need people for role playing, whether mm. it be. Uh, medical institution uh, for doctors people that are training that need people to practice on um, whether it be say police college for people that you know they need actors to come in and help them do role plays uh, role playing and so I've done a bit of real life role playing in the last few months Uh, and it's a weird experience man yeah really it makes you step inside other people's worlds and you realize how your, you know, your conception of certain things is massively warped. Mm. Um, and some of the role plays that I've done role plays, some of the role playing, I don't know why I'm getting that wrong grammatically. Maybe, <laughs> it's, get what you mean. maybe it's the pale ale. Um, <laughs> chit. That's the name of the beer. That's the name of the beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, some of them I've enjoyed more than others because one, and I won't go into the, the specifics of it, I found really difficult because of the having to think on your feet within the confines of that character was really hard. And so mm. I'll answer your question with a non-answer is I wouldn't be inclined to go down the the criminal uh, bad guy slash villain route because i think lots of people would be inclined to answer that way and let's be honest that's half the reason why people play gta is to drive around yeah, and yeah. cause a havoc and 
you know, do robberies and kick people out of cars, uh, which I'm not saying by any means is not fun at all. I'm not such a, a saint <laughs> that I haven't done that on GTA, of course. But going further into the role play scenario, I don't think would be for me. I think I'd be more inclined to go down the the cop detective route. Mm. I think that problem solving aspect, whether it be just in gaming or you know vr or whether it be real life i think would be suited to my skill set and the way my brain works and i would get uh, enjoyment out of that so something in the in the detective cop kind of world i think would be me but but to be honest it's not really something that i've thought about a whole lot and because mm, i don't have uh prior knowledge experience with that kind of world i'll be honest i'm slight i'm still trying to in my head envisage the way that role-playing works within gta um but perhaps if i ask you what your answer will be (laughs) you'll you'll be able to uh glean some further light on the subject yeah 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 yeah. no you uh you answered exactly the same as i would um i I would want to be a police officer as well and the reason I say that is because exactly that reason in the sense of like criminals and stuff. Um, if if you're interested at all after this talk or this podcast, go check it out. It's it's really interesting. There's hundreds of people that are playing it on Twitch or on YouTube. And um, all, all you really need to look for is GTA Roleplay. And this server in particular that I'm watching is called No Pixel. Um, so No Pixel are obviously um, a, a company that have kind of put together the server prioritized big streamers and people that have been on it for years and things like that um but yeah the reason i say police officer is because it's it's in depth like it's really in depth you know um there's people that are literally just cadets so they they you know so for us let's say if we jumped on and we wanted to start playing and we wanted to be a cop we obviously wouldn't be a cop straight away we'd have to be a cadet in training so we'd go on ride-alongs we'd have to learn all of the codes learn the city you know like figure out how it all works because this role play is like legit when they're chasing after people they are calling the codes like what quarter like you know uh the response what they're doing everything like that when they're chasing someone they're going you know like west on on this um street or now we're going uh northbound on this street it's really intense and really in depth just like if it was in real life um and then you know you can pull people over and give them tickets and you've then got to write up reports and if you detain someone you have to take them back all the way to the police station put them in question them potentially send them to prison if they've done something wrong it's really in depth um and i think that's the thing i love about it the most because i i i I wasn't i was never allowed to own gta um when i was younger just because it was obviously a bad game so which is fair enough i can't believe that parents let their 12 14 like 15 year old kids play that game it's an yeah awful game it's for, the opposite young, way you want to people. live your life or yeah. the example of how you should live your life so yeah i wasn't allowed to play it and when i got older and stuff i started dabbling in it but i never owned it myself um but now that i'm almost 26 years old i'm obviously a grown-up so i can watch and play what i want um but watching this gta it's it's complete opposite from 
what you think of Grand Theft Auto. You know, there's people that are just playing like taxi drivers and things, people that are in like, you know, just real standard. They literally work in fast food, so they turn up for work and they're behind a counter. People come in, order food, take their order, and they have to go back, get their food, bring it to the counter, give them the food. Like real mundane, simple stuff. But it's the whole part of the role play world and the person and persona that you're portraying in that world as another character. So these people they playing GTA mm-hmm. and presumably they have headsets whatever microphones yep and they are speaking to who out, out loud out loud to the other people so you can hear other people but if you're the, the person working in customer service mm-hmm. surely no one is playing a customer so are you just talking to like sims in a sense no no you so people will go in and order food because you have like health and armor mentality hunger water so your character is literally like deteriorating if you don't put the things inside of them that they need like food and water mentally you know you can start draining and your and your screen starts getting blurry so you either have to like smoke a joint or have some cigarettes or do some yoga to clear your head which makes your screen a lot more visible um and then health as well it it all regenerates your health and things so yeah if you need food you need to go to a fast food restaurant and order some food and pay for food out of your out of your bank so these people that are working in customer service are earning money so they have money in the game so you can buy cars property do all of this kind of stuff that is so weird to me bro fascinating no i know i totally i totally get it no i totally get it and a lot of these like big streamers are playing criminals because obviously that's where the most fun is at when you're doing criminal stuff running away from the cops like it's a lot more exhilarating but there are people out there just doing the mundane stuff and just have like really cool characters um that are just trying to get their way through los santos but life is so mundane. Why would you volunteer to role play in <laughs> mundane? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to pass judgment on on anyone else's. Uh, but imagine if someone's working in a fast food restaurant in real life and then goes on and role plays play, playing what for eight hours at night yeah. in a, in a fast food restaurant. I mean, one has to presume that people are, are not doing that. But that's I I will actually go and watch that because I still can't properly comprehend a how it functions and be why you would choose to do that over the more traditional gaming sense i i'm yeah i'm yeah no no i totally get it go check it out if you go onto twitch and just write in like gta um it'll pop up and look for the people that have the most viewers because they are obviously the ones that are doing like more exciting things and stuff in the server um i mean there's i've been watching a few people that have only had like 100 or 200 people watching them kind of thing and they've actually got really nice communities and people following them um but then you have like big streamers that have like 40 50 000 people watching them at one time um it's it's really fascinating i've literally been watching it every night for probably the past week or two weeks um and i have just met all of these new characters and these new people and then i'd jump and watch their stream um it's it's really interesting seeing perspectives and and how funny these people are creating these random storylines if like coming from an actor and coming from like improvisation these people are just gamers but the stories that they're making in the city is actually really funny and really fascinating now let me just ask you one one little question to to wrap this this topic mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. are you getting enough sleep bro 
<laughs> because you're no. not working anymore. No, I'm and, not. I'm and, not. Mm, no, I'm not. You're to have to work I'm, on that. Yeah, I'm not getting enough sleep. Uh, I've, I've been finding it really hard to sleep lately. Um, I've been doing a lot better the past few nights. Um, but I was up one night up until like five o'clock. Um, because I couldn't get to sleep. The problem with me is is that I can't sleep unless I'm like tired. Um, so I think being active and getting out of the house a lot more during the day is obviously going to force me coming to the nighttime and being like, oh yeah, I'm tired now. But if I just spend the whole day inside, I'm not really burning any energy. So it comes to the nighttime and I'm not sleepy at all. Um, so I'm working on it. But no, thank you very much for calling that out. Um, on this um, public platform, James, that I am not sleeping properly. <laughs> no chocolate, more sleep. You're allowed this beer. <laughs> yeah, maybe just push your your workout to like before dinner or after dinner. Or not that I want to get into the weeds of your of your routine and personal life, and perhaps <laughs> people don't want to hear about that. But I was just thinking, sleep quality. One of the few things about work as it means we have a deadline to get up for in the morning and true, uh, true. and if, if nothing else work can provide a, a schedule which a routine which, yeah which can be good um yep. interesting question bro mm-hmm. I, i'm sure there are equal numbers of people out there who completely understand and people who are like huh why like why would you i guess that's the thing particularly within uh hobbies People mm. just do such specific stuff that it doesn't make sense to other people. But equally, yeah. other people, that wouldn't sound fun to them at all. But then they'll be doing something. Like people that go for runs all the time, like go play basketball or whatever. Like the thought of physical exercise for the sake of fun is, is something that doesn't you know, translate to, to other people. And True. to be honest, this is one of the, the, the first times on the show in what, 41 episodes I've been like, Huh? What? They do what? <laughs> what? Have... Well, I've got, I'm glad to expand that part of the world for you a little bit then. Yeah, I mean, we all know that YouTube's a, a rabbit warren of of interesting content, but I am going to have to go and watch it because I just, until I see it, I probably will not I'll find a good. It. I'll find a good video highlights for you and I'll send it your way. That way you get a kind of feel for all of the different types of areas and things you can do. Yeah. Yeah, no, please, please do. Give me, because otherwise I'll watch some random video and then you'll be like, oh, no, that's not what. what no, that's you know, not what I, no, that, that's, no, not, that's a bad no, video. No, that's the worst thing. When you're on YouTube and you want to show someone someone's content and then it's like, no, that, that was a bad one. Oh, I'll show you a good, good. Anyway, we we digress and we should move on because otherwise we'll get so deep in the weeds. Um, it brings us to Music Corner. Uh, it does. Which feels like we haven't done a Music Corner in a long time, and probably we haven't because we haven't. of the way uh, that this season has gone and yeah. and the wedding break and the week off. And So the last Music Corner that we did was the, now that's what we call uh, music, some weeks ago. True, very um, true. Episode 7. Episode 7, but probably at least six weeks six weeks uh, ago and this week we want to talk about something that has been kind of on our radar for a while it's definitely a topic that we've sort of had in the the google doc um and this week sort of felt uh appropriate and that is uh the topic of music within film and the world of soundtracks and scoring and sound editing things that we've touched on in the past obviously we've done so many episodes that talked about uh you know the big screen and and how music interweaves its way through it but we thought 
it would be worth sort of diving into the world of music within film and what we do know and what we don't know and questions to be asked about how important and how music functions within the world of film because i think you know we recognize certain scores sounds soundtracks from from film as i said when we were talking about uh the last episode we had on and now that's what i call uh, that's what we call music episode i see that there were a few songs that i specifically associated with films with, with films yeah and i can remember those songs from the films in specific scenes which is quite an an achievement for a single mm. song to mm. you know for me to remember that within what might be a 90 minute or uh to our film i mean one just right off the top of my head is all the things she said the the tattoo tattoo uh song from the scene in about time uh where there's uh, a new year's eve scene right at the start of the film and i just always remember that so for some reason that song choice within that film really made an impact on me um but the world of of music within film i think is is really fascinating we have all sorts of things to to dive into but right off the top any any broad thoughts any specific thoughts uh hit me oh. with, with whatever's on your noggin yeah yeah well i mean i think you know something we'll dive into more is, is just that whole the the big you know the differences between soundtrack uh to scores you know i think a lot of people always hear scores and potentially don't quite understand what that concept is to a movie um so yeah the, the kind of range you know the this like sound editing and and things like that so it's there's a, a you know a lot goes into the movie obviously just not from uh performance perspective and and you know camera shots and and um mise en place and and things like that so music can do so much to i guess the tone atmosphere the mood um, of a movie and and you know whether that's part of the success of the movie or not um, um i've got a list of movies that have been very successful in the sense of their scores so you can all be the the judges of whether those movies are good because of maybe the score is 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 you know it adds it, it does add a, a certain level to a movie um which makes it great and then the same same as soundtracks as well as you were saying you can you hear a song and it completely takes you to um a scene um of, of a movie so yeah i think music is vitally important i mean especially if you're a you know a lover of music and what music can do and and the composition and the construction of music um it's very interesting on how um it's created for the purpose of screen theater move you know uh tv all of that kind of stuff so um it's a, it's going to be an interesting topic moving forward i think what i was just thinking about then in relation to music and film is it's not essential you can mm, true i think specifically in the last few learn uh, years we've learned that you can make a really gripping film without sound i mean the the john krasinski uh film what was that film called oh um oh the, uh one with emily blunt yeah um, yeah oh oh no Oh, it's you, gone off the top of my head. I know the movie, you, and everyone will know what we're it talking don't about. Don't speak, or hush, or silence, or don't. Oh, there's Bird Box, but that's not. That's no, the that other was one. The anyway, it um, doesn't matter. Most people know the film, but basically, you know, a film where almost no sound in it. Um, I think, I think music and sound within film is something that can elevate 
a product. We've spoken about editing in the past as something that can make and break a film. I don't think uh, music is quite so detrimental. I think it's more if you can get the the sound of the film right, it can take mm. something from a good product to a great product or a great product to a, uh, a brilliant product. And I guess the main two areas to talk about within that, as you've said, is uh, scores versus soundtracks. Um, the difference between those two... Uh, scores are original compositions created by a composer for the film specifically so it's all original work crafted based on the film itself i think scores are what you know we'd traditionally associate with blockbusters you know your your dark knights your lord of the rings your harry potter's generally it tends to be films with bigger budgets because there's more money to hire a composer to create those sounds whereas uh, films with not necessarily lesser budgets but less of a focus on um, maybe I'm digging myself a hole here but but films that take songs that have already been created and Mm. using an amalgamation of those songs to create a world because both sounds you know soundtracks and scores are about the same thing they're about creating the the sound of the world but scoring is all original work and tends to be less lyrical um whereas soundtracks tend to be more lyrical owing to the fact that they use songs um from bands or artists that have already been created um i feel like we should start with scores because i think it's a more complicated process not that creating a soundtrack isn't i'm sure that takes massive amounts of of time for any kind of feature film but i think the scoring process is something that is slightly less understood um by random joe public which i include ourselves uh, ourselves in i've certainly learned a little bit over the last few days um but when i say scores what is the first thing that comes to you you know whether it be composers or films with scores that you you love where does your brain go to immediately oh and in, in, in the sense of what movies yeah within the scores concept oh yeah i mean you said it before um oh sorry i've got a i've got a i've got a hair in my mouth Lovely. Um, we'll uh, get that out and edit uh, and post. Um, I think of um, your big blockbusters, as, mm-hmm. as you were saying. I mean, the the sounds that you know straight away, even if you weren't watching a movie, but you heard this, it would be Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You knew it would be Star Wars straight away. Pirates of the Caribbean, you knew it would be Pirates of the Caribbean straight away. Harry Potter as well. Um, you know, like those are the big three in the sense of if you if you heard the score, you know what you're watching. You know, it really creates uh, the world for the thing. Um, but like my other big honourable mentions, I'm just going to quickly run through a list because yeah. these are really the first movies that came to my head when I think of the sound of these movies. Um, and I have put them in a little bit of a chronological order, not from watching, but just from when they came out. Um, the first one is Blade Runner. Um, and that's the the old um, old school eighties version of Blade Runner. Um, it just really set up the world um, that Blade Runner was about. You know, this futuristic dystopian kind of thing. And when I've watched Blade Runner that few times, um, you can really get the sense and vibe of it being created in the eighties, but also the world that it's creating. Um, yeah, as I said, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lion King, 
as well. Um, and another big honourable mention for me, Gladiator. I absolutely love Gladiator as a movie, but I can really hear the score of that movie and what it was portraying with Maximus and, and the story that was being told and all of that. Um, and then you've got Harry Potter. Um, I've also got uh, Tron Legacy. Have you seen the new Tron no, at all? I haven't seen any of any Tron movies. No Tron movies? Nah, fair enough. Well, th- this Tron movie, Tron Legacy, um, it was um, scored by Daft Punk. Now, we know Daft Punk is obviously the, the duo um, DJs. Unfortunately, they have now um, recently split retired. Up. They have. They've have, they have recently retired and, 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 and left the world. They've taken off their masks um, forever. Um, so, But they, they scored this movie, and it is like Daft Punk to a T. You know, you can listen to the score and the soundtrack by itself, and it's like you're in a club. And it completely sets that futuristic digital tone that Tron is all about. So I really love that one as well. And then you've got your two big hitters, Inception and Interstellar. I absolutely love those movies, love those soundtracks, what they're trying to create, scores, what they're creating with it. Um, And then my last one is also um, Black Panther. Black Panther, absolutely. Um, Ludwig um, Gonson. Um, who composed that he's also the composer uh, for the Mandalorian Mm. so if you haven't seen the Mandalorian if you have seen the Mandalorian Ludwig did that and Ludwig as a composer is amazing from watching the behind the scenes on how he created the Mandalorian sound and he literally just plays around with hundreds and hundreds of instruments until he finds something that works and then layers it and it's the same with Black Panther as well with with um, what he did with Black Panther it really created the tone for that movie um, so those are a few of the kind of scores and in, in movies that I, I, I really enjoy mm. yeah definitely some films that I have crossover with and I think if you asked you know if you polled a hundred people moviegoers non-moviegoers I think lots of the same films would come up and that's because those films have such significant impact from a scoring perspective Mm. it's not really the kind of question where people would say random films I imagine there would be a pool of, of you know ten Films, say your Star Wars, your Pirates of the Caribbean, your Lord of the Rings, where certain compositions would come up, which just reflects how significant the sound of those films uh, was. Yeah. I think the big two players for me, and probably for most people, would be Hans Zimmer and John Williams. Oh, definitely. Um, it's uh, the third person that I would bring up would be Howard Shaw, simply for his work on Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah. Hans Zimmer, I, I've seen some fascinating uh, interviews with him speaking about the the scoring process, and he keeps using the word story. It's all about storytelling mm. and and assisting the story process by creating a world orally that contributes to the storytelling of, uh, I guess the the project. And in one of these interviews, Hans Zimmer said that he doesn't come into a, a film with a preconceived notion. Yeah, he, doesn't, no. uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do ahead of the process. And I did a bit of research and I thought I'd break down the sort of traditional process of how a film goes from having no score to having a score. Nice. 
Um, I guess obviously a composer comes on board, whether that's from the producers or the director, or at some point a composer is hired to work together. I mean, famously Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer have done a lot of work together. So there's obviously an established relationship there as an example. And it begins with research. So one of these articles said that uh, Hans Zimmer, who less famously than some of his, you know, really renowned pieces, uh, he did the score for the Da Vinci Code, which I actually haven't seen the Da Vinci Code, but (gasps) they were saying that he uh, researched the the Fibonacci mathematical Mm. sequence Mm. as part of his research, which is, you know, so specific um, to try and understand some of where that world comes from. Um, It's interesting that you brought up uh, Ludwig Göransson because I was reading about how he took a month trip to Africa to, you know, take samples from African music and instrumentation and put in, before even thinking about playing a note, just the world that surrounds that project. And from the research stage, then it goes into the, uh, the sonic palette stage so just as if you were a, a painter figuring out what color palette you're using mixing together colors and trying trying things out that's what composers do they figure out the instrumentation you know are they using lots of percussion or are they using lots of strings it's going to be purely digital um because some films very successful films with compositions are purely digital uh, are kind of good example of that is Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor who did the compositions for Social Network, Gone Girl and uh, Girl of the Dragon Tattoo and their compositions are essentially digital compositions. There's no acoustic recorded instruments. It's all just done. No orchestra. No orchestra involved. Wow. So figuring out the sonic palette of are you using an orchestra are you using just a few instruments but still recorded live are you doing it all digitally something like you know daft punk for tron legacy they're yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. as djs it would have been all digital all yeah and then even if you are you know and using orchestration are you using you know full classic orchestra or in the case of say black panther are you using specific uh instruments that might be you know culturally appropriate to that kind of world um and from the sonic palette you then move into uh the themes so leitmotif is a word that we learnt at victoria university (laughs) uh the specific sounds that are associated with with characters so whether it's in star wars every time leia uh, princess leia comes on screen she has her specific music or whether it's hedwig's theme within harry potter um things that are not scene specific as in you're not composing for one specific five minute moment in the film you are creating themes for specific characters or moods or locations that get used again and again and again Mm. to manipulate us as the audience to feel a certain way about things you know what i'll just quickly say one big example i have of that is um in back to the future 
Oh yeah. Um, the little diddly ding. Yeah. You know that in the background, it's always like a kind of a question or something. You know, something's arise or you know that, that I, I get what you mean. That motif of a of a sound that that's used. Um. Yeah. I I always I love that Back to the Future sound. That's that's in that. Um, and a lot of the times we don't notice them, right? They mm. just happen, and your brain processes them, whether it's to make you feel positively about someone or negatively mm. about a character. A lot of the time, it just it is repeated throughout the film you know, sometimes really subtly sometimes not subtly at all for you to go ah yes this is this is this character they've returned this is how i i feel about them um and from the themes then you go to the i guess it's themes to scenes is what uh, hans mm-hmm. hans Zimmer was saying you, know, you take those themes and you try and plug them into specific uh moments within the film um it was an interesting term mini suite which is when you a composer will put sort of 15 to 20 minutes of different themes together i guess to show the director or the producer hey this is the sort of world that we're working in and from there they go to the mock-up process which is where you might uh use digital software to do the full orchestration not uh not because you're going to do it digitally but just because obviously it's very expensive to hire in a full orchestra you want to use uh because now we we have the choice you know your beethovens your bachs they didn't have (laughs) access to this but nowadays composers even if they want to record live acoustically with real instruments they can still do a mock-up of a full orchestration digitally ahead of time to be sure of of how the thing will sound and from that process if you are doing it acoustically then they hire a specific group of people called orchestrators who then write up all the sheet music and that was something that i hadn't considered the fact that the the composer can write all the music but they're not going in on whatever the the (laughs) online platform is that writes out the process for the the tubers that's someone else's specific (laughs) specific job you know a lovely guy from from all videos and accounts that i've seen of him but he's not doing that someone goes and writes up the orchestra if you're going down the acoustic track and then from that process uh, again if you are hiring a full orchestra or a mini orchestra you then obviously have to record the thing and a not sure i i'm sure you will have seen youtube videos of of the orchestra yeah, yeah, recording yeah, yeah. and the the film is playing in the background um there are four big sort of city centers for if you're recording big budget orchestrations in the world want to have a guess at where they are if you have a massive budget and you're going to go and film like a whole orchestra what do you think the four cities in the world are where you would go and do it new york no uh los angeles tick um big cities in the world two are in america two are in in europe and not new york not new york um chicago no uh uh uh, oh that's a hmm. florida nashville tennessee tennis nashville eh yeah nashville and then the two non-american cities are london which is probably oh, of course yes over, makes sense and yes. uh vienna that makes sense as well yeah so those are the four cities where traditionally if you have a big budget you would go and film um obviously some places don't have the budget and supposedly eastern europe is a, a place you might go if you had a medium or a smaller budget but those are kind of the big four within 
orchestration and then i guess you go in and you record with the composer and a conductor and you make adjustments and then you just have this big bulk of music uh from which to work with and then that then gets handed over in most cases uh i mean i'm sure the composer stays within the process but then there's someone else just as there are the orchestrators there are the uh sound editors or sound um I guess they might be called sound designers as well, who then plug that music into the scenes and work with the composer and the the directors uh, to create that sound. Um, that process I, I thought was so so fascinating about how there's so many different steps that mm. that get mm. involved. And one thing that I wanted to mention was once it gets to that sound editing phase. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past, in particular, the specifics of uh, the movie Tenet. And I remember yep. you bringing up mm-hmm. saying that the sound was super loud and, and you couldn't hear dialogue. And um, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I researched the, the sound uh, editor of Tenet was a guy called uh, Richard King, who has four Oscars best sound editing for yeah. uh master and commander the far side of the world the dark knight inception and dunkirk uh so oh, wow. also nominated for war of the worlds and interstellar so he also worked on tenet which you thought the sound editing wasn't great but yeah. these films like dark knight and inception which have iconic scores iconic. hans zimmer at his very best the role of richard king within that film to have the music come in at the right point with the right crescendo you know there's so many different people involved in that process of going you know it's not just the composer it's not just the brilliance of Hans Zimmer's brain you then have to work with so many so many other people and so I thought it was fascinating having done that research wondering if Richard King and Hans Zimmer had a relationship and they've essentially won oscars by working together and yet in a film like tenet it didn't work and no one will from the sounds of it ever remember the score from tenet in the same way that the duck they would remember uh the dark knight for yeah and that's just it i i think you know when i think back to tenet obviously i've only seen it once now but like the this the score was beautiful and it worked where it needed to but the mixing of it was just really all over the place but then i also read an article as well that apparently it was an intent it was intended to be that way hmm. it was really intended to kind of shock your senses and make you uh make you try really hard um to listen to certain points and certain aspects of that film which obviously if that's the intention that you're going for great but whether from an audience perspective that's actually what they want that's another thing you've got to consider as well. Um, so yeah, Tenant is, is a is a very interesting choice when it comes to um, editing, as you're saying. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was was fascinating around Tenant and, and Richard King, um, and again this week we're going to shout out one of our our fellow uh, TNC podcasts. Um, Nerds Amalgamated uh, is the the podcast that we we wanted to shout out this week. And what was fascinating is over the last uh, few days and, and week, I've been trawling through their the episode list. Um, they spoke specifically about uh, Christopher Nolan's sound design for for Tenet. And I, I quote from the episode description. This episode was released on December the 1st, 2020. Christopher Nolan, we need to talk. A group of fellow filmmakers have sent a letter to Christopher Nolan telling him nobody can understand his movies because of the poor audio mixing. 
which I mean, I thought was so funny that the uh, the wonderful folks at Nerds Amalgamated had also focused on you know such a specific thing um, yeah. that we had. And I guess that's one of the great things about being part of TNC is there's some podcasts on the network that are quite similar to ours and that they yeah. focus. Yeah. I mean, we're not so naive as to think we're the only podcast that touches on performing arts, uh, the entertainment industry. Of course we're not. I mean, there are some podcasts on TNC that uh, touch on completely different areas completely um, different. than when we do, but it just happened that we thought we'd, we'd uh, shout out nerds amalgamated this week and it came in line with the, you know, music within film topic and then having thought about Hans Zimmer and thinking about Tenet and Richard King then going and looking at the episodes and think ah they hated it as well it cracked me up um but yeah Nerds Amalgamated uh is a fantastic episode that focuses on what they would call uh nerd pop culture news so quite a lot of focus on gaming maybe you could make friends with them and movies and uh, technology launches um all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, across the board, whether it be um, the Warner Bros and HBO Max fallout of, or, or, you know, Lucasfilm coming back or a view of NBA Jam, which is like a classic, classic NBA game. Um, obviously, the new Space Jam trailer with LeBron James launched recently. Um, yeah, they cover all sorts of, all sorts of things. And one thing that I will say to you, Matt, is they, they are, they are maybe dc people my friend so uh, i mean there might be yeah, some show beef with, with, with them, nerds yeah. and Ben, but maybe you <laughs> could sort of infiltrate them from the outside and, and bring them crumbling down from with it. Hey, no obviously of, obviously no, not no all of us nerds and geeks are in the same community so we're, I'm, I'm with them i'm yeah. with them and yeah. if you're uh, if you are interested to go check them out do go check them out um and there'll be a little spot at the end of this episode and they'll give you a little preview of what they're all about as well yeah absolutely but nerds and nerds I'm sorry. Nerds. Those nerds amalgamated. No, nerds amalgamated. Um, another great uh, podcast. If, if gaming and, and movies and, and technology is something you're super interested in, and if you kind of wish that our episode, uh, our podcast had more episodes about that or maybe went more specifically in-depth with them, um, yeah, go on one of their feeds on Spotify, subscribe to them, and, and they uh, might have episodes come out that are even potentially more inclined to your technological and had nerd interests than than ours but yeah absolutely uh nerds amalgamated is another tnc uh podcast that you guys should go and listen to um one very specific thing that i wanted to mention about scores and it's as an example was hans zimmer talking about uh, the famous horns from dark knight um mm. i don't know if you mm. can hear it in your head i can but hear it kind it. of i can hear mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such a specific concept so he had the orchestra record in in quite a a cavernous space like a theater you know with a yep, high yep, rate yep. and he put eight french horns four on each side right at the top of the space so that they were playing like over the top of all the other instruments literally so the Ooh. way that they recorded was literally overarching in terms of the echo of how those instruments were were being processed whereas you know normally when you go and record you would go into a studio and the instruments would be recorded within a certain space i thought that was a fascinating detail of of how something you know the humble french horn placed in a certain space in relation to other instruments went towards what is a really really significant sound within 
that film and I thought kind of summarized the the brilliance of score and just using instruments you know no no lyrics just two french horn notes to create the sound of the story was a a brilliant example of how specific scoring can be and how a brilliant composer can almost figure out the equation of something that will work and have an effect using very simple simple pieces if that makes sense that does make sense and 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 coming off that and speaking of of brilliant composers and and the the movies that have done brilliantly as well i I have a quick little list here for you yeah please um on all of the oscar winners of best score um now i have uh gone from the year 2000 so this will be a quick uh 19 movies but i'll just quickly list them off um and yeah if you're listening and and if, if any of these hit home for you maybe think of the effect that the score has has had for you or does it have any memory when it comes to these movies um now all of these movies obviously critically acclaimed because they have won an oscar and the academy has voted it the best score um but yeah this is best score not necessarily best movie but best score so starting from the 2000s uh crouching tiger hidden dragon uh followed up by lord of the rings fellowship uh of the ring which is obviously as we were talking about howard shaw (laughs) It's, it's it, that's just it. It's just, it's it's that a eh? it's 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 all you hear, and and that's the brilliance of a score. Uh, two thousand two, Frida. Uh, two thousand three, two years later after Fellowship of the Ring, Return of the King. Um, so Howard Shaw, Lord of the Rings, very well done. Uh, two thousand four, Finding Neverland. I love this movie, but the score I must say is something that I haven't noticed a lot of. Um, but that movie in general, amazing. Following, uh, Brokeback Mountain. Uh, 2006, Babel. Uh, 2007, Atonement. Mm. 2008, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, yeah, I remember that score. Same, same. Once again, that kind of really setting the atmosphere in place for where that movie is all about. Uh, 2009, Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, you mentioned this earlier, 2010, The Social Network. Uh, 2011, The Artist. Uh, 2012, Life of Pi, great movie. Yeah, uh, very, very visually, visually stunning that movie. Um, 2013, Gravity. Now I think Gravity, obviously, once again, a movie that doesn't have a lot like going on. You know, it's a it's a it's a very slow paced movie. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that score really does a lot for kind of filling the void per se of that movie. Ha ha ha! Little joke if you know the movie. Uh, 2014, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm amazing absolutely yeah. amazing and can so hear that as well 2015 the hateful eight uh 2016 la la land um obviously uh, you know the big controversy of that year la la land was pushed out of the best picture by moonlight and a whole debacle behind that but la la land still took away best score for that which i i do um definitely agree um 2017 the shape of water which also won Best Picture that year as well. I hated The Shape of Water. I, just, I, I, I agree. Just pinpoint no, I agree. I totally put, agree. Put a, put a pin in that for Best we'll put a pin Picture in that. stuff for later yeah, on, but I later. hated that yeah. movie. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. No, no, you're fine. Uh, 2018, Black Panther, as we've mentioned earlier, Ludwig Göransson. Uh, and 2019, because obviously we didn't really get an Oscars last year. Um, oh, wait, no, it would have been the year before, 2009. Yeah, because this is the 2020 oscars anyway yep. uh yeah so uh 2019 the joker 
Hmm, a film which, again, I didn't really think of the score as being so significant, but I guess that there, there were a lot of empty space, you know, spaces within that film where there was no dialogue. So, therefore, yeah. score yeah, would you have, need, would have it been... It fills, it fills that gap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really fascinating. I was going through this list and stuff and and seeing, you know, some of these also won Best Picture their, their years as well. Um, so, yeah, just really interesting to see how the best score can really kind of have an, an, an impact. Um, and one other little tidbit I have um, as well before we move into soundtrack really quickly um, is John Williams. I have a quick fun fact about John Williams. Um, I definitely agree with you in the sense of Hans Zimmer is, is, is probably my favorite composer or a composer of works that I have the most association with. I mean, out of my list, um, five of those movies are Hans Zimmer. Um, but John Williams, quick fun fact, he's been nominated 52 times. Really? 52 times for best score and some of those years he was nominated twice for two different movies but he's been nominated 52 times but he's only won five times that's and incredible the five, and the five movies he's won is fiddler on the roof jaws star wars a new hope et and schindler's list oh yeah now, schindler's list did have a great score but the thing that astounds me about that is that these movies are old school. Not like old, old school, but, you know, they're not of this... Wait, when did Schindler's List come out? Early 2000s? Or was that before? Was that 90s? I can't remember Schindler's List. Uh, Any, probably uh, early 2000s. Early 2000s, anyway. right? Anyway, we still associate John Williams so much with scores and composing and music, yet we see him in the Academy Awards, but he's only won it five times, which I found a very fascinating little fun fact and tidbit um, of his journey with the Academy Awards. I mean, to be honest, I'm more surprised that, not surprised, but the 52 nominations is incredible. What a feat, right? Yeah. Him only winning five times doesn't surprise me that much, simply because I think there's a, a previous winner's sort of anti-bias like once you win it once I think it's harder to win it a second time I get you I get um, you whether it be the NBA MVP you know uh, whether it be the Helberg Awards here in New Zealand I think it's mm. always harder mm. to win things consecutive times because uh, the institution will always want someone to win it for the first time but you can't yeah, argue yeah, with, yeah. That, with that kind of track record and, and obviously his work as a composer is top tier perhaps even number one i mean i might prefer some of hans zimmer's scores because he's more of our time um, john williams still doing scores now um but yeah john williams you can't you just can't argue with with the volume but perhaps now we're heading towards as technology grows you know daft punk scoring you know an album i'm um, sorry for a film you know, maybe more and more and more people are composing for film. And that's what Hans Zimmer has said. He's like, it's not something that you need a massive budget for because if you have Logic Pro or one of these incredible programs, you have access to a full-on orchestra. You know, yeah. Composition is accessible, which I think makes the choice to use soundtracks or creating a soundtrack for a film uh, an interesting decision, right? I mean, some of mm. I'll just mm. hit some of my favorite ones. Yeah, nice. Um, uh, I must say, I think... It would be hard for me to say I enjoyed a soundtrack if I didn't enjoy the the movie. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I have to enjoy a movie first and then enjoy the soundtrack. But 
three that I wrote down were About Time. I mean, I love that film anyway, yep. but I love the soundtrack as well. Uh, 500 Days of Summer. I love Ooh. that soundtrack, Yo. which is all over the place in terms of, yeah. in terms of yeah. songs. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, which yes. I think made such a specific Preach. choice, yep. as we've spoken about in the past, to go with a specific kind of generation, a couple of decades of yep. music. Yep. Uh, you know, you could have chosen to compose, you know, a space sound for Guardians of the Galaxy, but instead they went, no, we'll, we'll go with very uh, specific choices of songs and create yeah. the world based around that soundtrack. So I think soundtracks can be just as effective as scores and you know they just they they function in a slightly different way but they can do some things that's that scores can't because we as the audience can recognize a song have a love for that song and an affinity for it and then use that affinity and transfer that onto the things we're seeing on screen yeah so in in that way of manipulation and cheating the audience to feel a certain way soundtracks can be equally equally brilliant to composition now obviously you're using someone else's work and paying for the rights to use those songs fairly and this is something that you can do you know if you're creating a theater show in new zealand you just have Mm. to pay for the rights to have that song within your performance but it's such an interesting divergent decision to use songs which for the most part as i said are more lyrically driven than compositions which tend to not always the case obviously la la land mostly songs with lyrics in them but soundtracks piecing together different artists work to create some kind of soundtrack to the film is such a different decision to take musically for filmmaking yeah exactly and and i think that the, the interesting thing about guardians of the galaxy for me staying on that point because guardians of the galaxy uh, is definitely one of my favorite soundtracks uh one and two i i definitely prefer one more than two um but the the thing that i love that what that soundtrack does for those movies is that they're in there for a purpose right they are part of the story they are part of the themes of of those movies you know obviously um as a as a young kid um his dying mother gives him a cassette tape and then that cassette tape becomes his world it becomes his mother so all of those songs are really his mum just saying how much he loves him and so the 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 songs are played throughout the movie at different points and still definitely adds to the the atmosphere and tone of the scenes that are going on Um, but there's really a lot more behind those soundtracks and what the actual meaning of those songs are to the movie but also to the character um, Star-Lord himself so that's why I absolutely love those choices um, and and what it does for those movies Um, you know I, I another big one for me is also Black Panther once again Um, because the interesting thing about Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy is that they have soundtracks but they also have scores as well I've actually got a vinyl of Guardians of the Galaxy that has one half of the soundtrack and the other half is actually the score Mm. and so the score is obviously you know the background and and kind of you know everything that's going on Um, but Black Panther obviously the soundtrack was created by Kendrick Lamar yeah and Kendrick Lamar did yeah did that soundtrack and uh, only a few of the songs are actually featured in the movie. I think one is featured in the movie and then a few are featured in the credits as well. But that movie has both. Um, so it's interesting how we can associate soundtracks with movies that maybe not necessarily in the movie per se, um, but that it can still have a solid soundtrack. And I mean, look, if it's a musical, 
it's got a soundtrack as well you think of lion king as well you know lion king is still a soundtrack in itself because all of those songs can be broken up and put onto a cd and it therefore kind of becomes a soundtrack in itself um so yeah i think soundtracks are a really really smart thing to do because as you were saying you're as a as an audience you're able to connect it and 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 things like that because i think one song that i cannot witness or see any other way is actually in another marvel movie and that's thor ragnarok and it's the immigration song um the immigration comes on when thor finally becomes you know the mighty thor in the sense of you know harnessing his power and he's jumping on to um the rainbow bridge and the imitation songs playing and there's a massive fight whenever i hear that song now i can only see that moment um so yeah it is amazing how yeah songs can um create new images i guess and new associations to them yeah it's harnessing the power of an already known whether it be a really famous song yeah or something that isn't that well known and so the audience goes oh they've used that that's an (laughs) obscure song um I mean, recently, I will touch on this later, but I saw a film that had a, a Paris Hilton song that I didn't know, but I went with Fran and she was like, had a visible <laughs> reaction to this being in the film going, would they ever use this I? song? What? But she'll always remember that scene because of it being such a bizarre choice. And I guess whether you go down the soundtrack option or the score option, it is it is the same task which is using uh music whether it be music with lyrics or just uh, or instrumental orchestration to create a more full-bodied world of the story and as i said sort of at the start of this i think having a brilliant score or a brilliant soundtrack can be what helps the story uh, truck along. It helps the momentum. It helps the the peaks and the troughs of the emotions within mm, the film. Mm, true. Because if, if you said to me, you know, all of a sudden movies weren't allowed to have soundtracks or scores, I just don't think people would watch them as much because yeah. it's, we enjoy music. Even though films are such a visual medium, we all mm-hmm. go and you go to watch a film, you go to see a film it is actually the music that helps create that that rounded story if it wasn't for Hans Zimmer's score in Dark Knight it wouldn't be as acclaimed of a film without <laughs> just a man running around in a black suit <laughs> yeah it's so so important to taking a great film and turning it into an amazing film and I think a lot of the time scores and soundtracks can achieve a lot with us without us realizing that they're at play you know sometimes yeah. it really slides under the the radar yeah um, which i think is 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 in itself um something that you also want to create as well you know like i mean soundtracks obviously as you were saying you have that initial connection to them but a score i mean if it can fly under the radar you know it's not necessarily something that's coming to the foreground that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad score it's just doing its job in the sense of kind of going with the flow of that movie so yeah i think scores can definitely go either way they can be the crescendo that you need with every single point or it can really just just yeah like i said go with the flow of of what's going on screen and and not necessarily have to associate it with that movie so that's the interesting thing with these these oscar winners of the scores they might not necessarily be the best movies either or the best movie might not have the best score at the same time so yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting ballpark of 
all the things that can come to play when it comes to making a movie and i think you 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 said it brilliantly it's it wouldn't be the same and i think that's why we watch movies because it's an appreciation of all of these different mediums that we absolutely love coming together to create a spectacle which is just fascinating in itself i don't know if you've ever done this but particularly when i was in my last couple of years at school and at university i always used film scores as my study music because i can't study when (laughs) i can hear lyrics because my brain processes the lyrics and if it's a song you know you're whereas scores can sort of wash over and and provide a a mood as they do with the film i've studied to the interstellar soundtrack i've studied to the inception soundtrack sometimes on youtube i'll just search harry potter instrumental music and just listen to that (laughs) because it puts me in a mood to mm. be productive or the interstellar mm. one has inspired me to to write in a driven way that I might not otherwise. And the fact that I can just listen to those scores and still feel the the power of the music really reflects how impactful scores can be. And, and st- I still do it now. You know, if I need to be writing or doing work to something often it is film scores that I will will go to because it will help inspire me uh, along and kind of, I guess, drive me to to productivity. Not to say that that works for everyone, but it has been something that I've done in the past a lot and still continue to do sometimes is listen to film scores to help me be be productive. And that's how you know you love those... Mm. I think there's quite a famous YouTube video that's time from inception for 10 hours and it just loops it for, uh, for, yep. for 10 yep. hours. Chuck yep. that on and it'll just play. It'll just play and let Hans Zimmer's brilliance wash over you. <laughs> you just get lost in, uh, you get lost in, wait, what was the, what was the last part of the thing? You get lost in, what was the translation? No, <laughs> No, the where where he gets where you it's the like last level of Inception. Oh. What's that called again? It's not Purgatory, but no, I can't remember. <laughs> you get lost. It's in been that a bad week for to... trying to remember years and yeah, titles. And yeah, things. true. It's fine. True. Some Although I, were... I must say the like John Krasinski movie that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. What did a I quiet place. Place. Or or my subtitle. Shush. Shush. <laughs> That'd be so funny if, if they'd done that quiet film called it Shush. Um, shush. But it is interesting that so much of what we've talked about has been about uh, reputation and critical acclaim and you go through the Oscars list um, because as we as we come to the end of the episode and talk about uh, what are you watching, that is what Matt and I have been uh, embarking on and we wanted yeah. to share a little bit about it as a bit of a preview to sort of a few weeks from now. Um the Oscar nominations came out a few weeks ago, and I believe the Oscars for this year are on the 25th of April. Yeah, it's around um, my birthday. 25th of April, and Matt and I have sort of, not spontaneously, but with relatively short notice, tasked ourselves with watching all eight of the Best Picture nominations before the Oscars uh, ceremony is held so that in and around that time we can do a whole episode on it um 
and I know for a fact in the what are you watching uh, section of the last week, certainly for me, watching some of the nominations has been the focus of uh, my front because we have to get through eight and we only have a few weeks left. Some of them are in cinemas. Some of them aren't. Um, How many are you... Oh, I've only done one? one so far. I've mm. only done one so far. Yeah, uh, got to get the other. Go through the other one on Netflix, um, and then me and my mother actually, uh, we're actually going to try and go do like a marathon. Yeah. In the sense of like, if we can get three movies in one day, we're going to go for it. Now, obviously, that's not the enjoyment of watching a movie. You want to watch one, but I think for me, it'd be really interesting seeing them back to back. Um, on being able to kind of compare them together as well. So we're going to figure that out within the next week, what day we could do that, and um, just kind of pump pump some out. So which of the eight films have you seen? I've uh, I've seen The Trial of the Chicago 7, right, which is, which on, is Netflix. On, on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh, I yep. believe two, yeah, two of the eight Best Picture noms are that and Mank. Mank. Um, the other six are, and if you're in New Zealand, I think five of the six can still be viewed in cinemas. And when we come to the episode, we'll talk about Oscar bait and what are Oscar movies and what aren't and it all matters about when you release your film in terms of when the Oscars happen so it can, you know, you can get the momentum. Um, but in cinemas in New Zealand, uh, recently released is Minari, which I saw on Tuesday night. Uh, the Father, which I saw on Saturday. Coming to the end of its run is Promising Young Woman, and which I saw on Tuesday. Those are the three that I've seen. And uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's also coming to the end of its run. Uh, Nomad Land has been out for a little while, but somewhere in the middle of its run. So those five you can still see in cinemas. Uh, I highly recommend that people go and see Promising Young Woman as it goes towards closing. I know it's been out for over a month, so I know a lot of people have already seen it, but here's my last push to get people to cinemas to see it on the big screen. And then the last of the eight nominations is The Sound of Metal, which I think was an Amazon original. So much like Netflix can be found online through having uh, Amazon Prime, or I believe you can purchase it one-off on other sort of servers as well. Um, But yeah, Matt and I wanted to let everyone know that that's what we're doing. Uh, We encourage you... uh, especially if you're movie going people to, to go out and see a couple of films because it's been something that I've always wanted to do every year in hindsight. Yeah, I'll be like, Oh, yeah, watch yeah. The, the nominations. And, but it makes a lot more sense to do it before the Oscars. Cause when it comes <laughs> around, this will be the first year where I've seen all eight nominees and I'll have an opinion. And True. when the name gets read out, a la, you know, La La Land or, or Midnight, it'll be, you know, I'll feel positively about it or I won't. I mean, I've already seen three. And I know of those three, which I would think most deserve of winning Best Picture specifically. Obviously, some of the actors are nominated and true, Best Direction true. and Editing. We'll, we'll get into that in our big we'll Oscar that. special. We'll but It'll be a big episode, that one. Yeah, uh, but that's what we're we're focusing a lot of our watching on at the moment. And, you know, it's a it's a bit of a bit of an effort to get to the, the cinemas on Tuesday when I saw two of the films back-to-back, Minari and then promising young woman i was like wow this is something i've never done before and i did really <laughs> yeah, i did really enjoy it it's two nice. completely film completely different films back to back i watched the first one with mum and the second one with fran and i was like oh you know need a you know, need a stretch need a little stretch afterwards <laughs> but let's get back in there and, and watch it and it is something that i've said in the past i have been guilty of not going and mm. seeing films in the cinema enough so i'm enjoying that we're pushing each other to go and and pay the money to go and see 
this great art on on screen and i'm looking forward to seeing the the rest of of the five and the 17 remaining days that we have yeah, left yeah and i think that and you you make a good point right there is is you know something that we've said before is is getting out and and supporting these things you know obviously you can pay for subscriptions online for these you know these streaming services and things and who knows how much of a cut they're getting and it, look it probably is big money but who knows but the fact is is you know for us being you know big actors and and theater lovers is getting out to theater and and supporting what's going on and um just the same as movies going to your cinema and and watching a movie for what it's what it's created for that's what the movies are are made for is to get your bums in seats in a room with other people and seeing it for all its glory in a big screen with surround sound that's exactly what it's made for yeah the, the sound in a cinema with you know all the dolby atmos and you know whether you're in a massive embassy theater or you're in a tiny one it doesn't matter the sound experience will be better than you watching it on your laptop whether it's now on netflix or in six months time once you can access it you know online go and see it in the theater because if nothing else the the score or the soundtrack will have such a an overwhelming effect in comparison to off your laptop for the films yeah. that you can't go and see in the cinema i mean the promising young woman soundtrack in particular really uh really celebrated a lot of uh uh women artists and the the paris hilton song once you see it um <laughs> you'll be like oh yeah what ah. yeah this is an interesting moment um and and the the father the score of that was you know subtle but really uh influenced how i felt about that film so yeah, yeah. it's been really enjoyable thinking about the oscars and best pictures and, and film and all of the stuff is kind of coming around at this this time of year and it's been nice to pour some some time into celebrating great great films yeah yeah and i and i will say just to 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 tickle your fancy ever so slightly one more time is that 2020 this year one movie that has been nominated for best score is soul oh yes i was so good <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what comes out at the end of uh best pictures uh uh sorry best best score this year as well for that but yeah soul i think is uh definitely a a, a running a head head running for that oh yeah that film was so so great um oh, it'll definitely win best animated but i mean it deserves it deserves more than that i think um <laughs> but yeah that must be in three four weeks we have to figure out whether we're going to do it before the oscars before comes down after you know? yeah, whether we do yeah. our predictions might be interesting or doing a recap of who won might be mm. interesting but yeah get out there and see uh, you know i i can't speak for in the past how accessible the best picture films have been but at least if you're in new zealand five of the eight can be seen and having seen three of the five i would recommend all of those films to everyone um yeah find yourself a ten dollar tuesday if you're in wellington lighthouse cuba uh the penthouse ten dollar tuesday you know it can be an expensive thing um but if you are inclined to to have a good night out ten dollars for any of the 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 pictures any of the films that i've named was is, is definitely worth it um yeah and same here in auckland if you're in auckland there is a movie cinema in pretty much every suburb uh so <laughs> i actually that's a lie but get along 
get along go to movies take some friends take your parents take your loved ones go see something that is uh that is our message to you this week yeah or if you have a netflix subscription watch rank watch trial of the chicago seven the trial of chicago seven i must say it's it's not your obviously i'll speak about this more it's not your typical movie but in the sense of what it's really trying to do in that movie brilliant absolutely Mm. brilliant and great cast as well yeah rather than watching another disney movie as i've been known to do or watching another food show as i've been known to do just dedicate two hours to trial of the chicago seven or or mac one of the two um final thoughts on your beer i really like it i really like it um it's easy going um it's not like hitting me every time i drink it um i really haven't gone through it fast which is actually something uh nice i might mention in the sense of the last two um brews that i have had i got through them quite quickly um and that's got nothing to do with this being i don't like it it's just a really nice sippable drink but it's not too strong um so i will put it up there i would definitely say it's um it's definitely not my pernicious weed. I'll probably put this at like a, a 7.2 myself. Mm. I've just written down the scores from the last two weeks because the further we get into this, the harder it's going to be to uh, to remember. Yeah, um, as I've said in the past, I'm not hugely pale ale inclined. I'm more sort of IPA, uh, Pilsnery inclined. I, I've enjoyed this. It hasn't, hasn't sort of knocked my socks off. I wouldn't say I'd enjoyed it as much as uh, Happy Days last week. I did enjoy it. Well, I'm still going. I have enjoyed it more than the the sawmill. So I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a 7.3. Right in the Ooh, middle there. Would nice. I drink it again? Yes. If someone yeah. had it in their fridge and they offered it to me, I'd say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll drink that. Would I buy it again as a single? Probably not. Um, but hey, we're not going to come on and, and say we absolutely love every single beer is in 9.9 i've enjoyed all three so far i would drink all three again definitely Um, but we have to be honest about what we enjoy and what we don't enjoy and you know if a brewery comes on board to sponsor us then we'll be more than happy to tell you that those beers are all (laughs) 9.8s but until such a time we will be brutally honest brutally Um, honest sure what was the name of your beer did it have a name king tide king tide king tide batch brewing company batch brewing it's just i've only uh, just realized batch brewing as a concept yeah i I, like i I know that uh, people watching can't see this but like the artwork on it and stuff is is very it's very great stuff so uh yeah uh check it out check it out go 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 grab yourself a brew and um well you can't take that into the movie theaters but if you're watching man call the trial of chicago seven grab yourself a brew sit down watch a movie for real three weeks podcast three weeks in uh we got close last week this week not even close uh matt's homework is to find himself a slightly bigger supermarket um <laughs> and my homework is to make sure that matt finds himself a slightly bigger supermarket uh everyone is accountable to something hey thanks so much for this week man um uh, thank you to no, everyone listening you. in uh, as always um as we as we work our way through through season two i thank you as always for being uh on board for the journey and and matt to you anything to to say any last points no i just thank you for um your interesting points that you brought up on today's episode and the sense of Hans Zimmer and and the scores i found that really fascinating um and just um i'm really you know really loving how you know music and this 
entertainment industry that we absolutely love and want to be a part of more is there's just there's so much to understand and really appreciate um so i love that through this episode um we can appreciate it together but people listening can also get an appreciation for it also so thank you for sure um seabed and for sure last little reminder joe damon seven days eighth of uh, april is the episode uh and aside from that matt all that's left to be said as we will see you next time hey there we're nerds amalgamated your nerd pop culture podcast uh, I'm Buck. With me, I have the professor. Hello. Um, the professor is our gaming software engineering nerd who brings us stories on all that sort of stuff. We also have the DJ. Hey, guys. And the DJ brings us stuff on entertainment and anime. I bring science and tech. So, yeah, hope to hear from you soon.